0: Uh, We're going to the Gospel of Mark this morning, returning to our study uh, called Gospel Truth for a Growing Chaos in today's message, Calling Christ Followers. Mark chapter 1 and verse 16. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets, and followed him. You know, this was a very difficult time that Mark was writing in. It was a very chaotic time. Uh, Before long, the Roman Emperor Nero, a madman, would assume the throne. And he would plunge the nation into a time of decadence and depravity. It wouldn't be long before Rome would burn. Nero would famously, infamously blame that on the Christians and use it to spark an even greater outbreak of persecution against the Christians. Uh, That was coming only a few short years after Mark wrote this book. Uh, Mark was not one of the apostles, you remember, but he certainly was around uh, those apostles. Many of them have looked at him as being a protege of Simon Peter. We don't know that for sure. But we do know that he was around them a lot. And he's writing uh, just a couple of decades, about 20 years or so, uh, after Jesus had died, was buried, rose again, and ascended back into heaven. So uh, Mark's message came at a very, very important time. His goal was simple. There were people out there who didn't know Jesus Christ, and they needed the truth. The truth of who Jesus was and what He had done. He needed to proclaim to them the truth of the gospel. And thus this book. Those who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, though also needed the truth of who Jesus is and what He's done. Let me tell you this morning, we never outgrow as God's people our need to think about Jesus Christ and who He is and what He has done for us. If you find your spiritual life growing a little bit stale, pick up one of the Gospel accounts and start reading. Get in there, read it, study it. Uh, Because we always need to be inspired and enthused and invigorated by the message of who Jesus Christ is and what He has done. Now we come to this place where Jesus is calling people to follow Him. And as we look at this message, we're going to see the truth of what our part is in all this. Where do we fit in? Christ followers. I read the story this week of a pastor during World War II who was brought a telegram. Remember, this was before uh, every household had a telephone. Many people didn't have them. And, uh, the, so Western Union brought this telegram to the pastor to deliver to one of his rural church members. Of course, during that time when you got a telegram, almost everyone knew what it was. It meant someone had died, and that's what this message was. He had to go and tell a heartbroken mother that her son had been killed in battle. He hated to do it, but he felt like it was better coming from a pastor that they knew rather than just the Western Union man, and so he undertook the task. Amazingly then, a couple of days later, another telegram came for the pastor for that same person, this one having the news that the young soldier was not dead. He had been found. And though he was wounded badly, he was expected to make a full recovery. Can you imagine the urgency that that pastor felt to get out there to that mother and tell her the good news? Hey, your son's not dead. He's really alive. I mean, do you think he dawdled? Uh, Do you think he drug his feet? Do you think he said, well, uh, I'll get around to it sometime. I need to have just the right time to deliver this message. No, of course not. This was great news. It was exciting news. Made even more so by the fact that he himself had delivered the bad news. Now he was going to get the chance to deliver the good news. Uh, I don't know of anything that more effectively illustrates our position today as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because yes, we have to deliver the bad news. And the bad news is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The bad news is that the wages of sin is death. The bad news is is that people have sinned and that they are under the condemnation of God and facing an eternity in hell. But then the good news is that while the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I think American Christianity has done a very good job of delivering the first part. And I think our culture has got the message. We tell them they're sinners. They've heard that. We tell them they're headed for hell. They've heard that. We tell them turn or burn. They've heard that. But I'm not sure that we've been as effective as we should have been about following that up with the good news that you don't have to die Because Jesus Christ died for you and He didn't stay dead. He rose again and by that resurrection then He guarantees you that if you will believe on Him, you will receive everlasting life. We have that urgent, incredible message then to deliver that the bad news of the worst kind, of the eternal kind, can be reversed by the truth of the gospel. And so today, when we begin to consider our part in all of this, this is where we're going to come in and and how Jesus then is calling us as His people and has called us to be followers of Him. And we see it play out in our text. Mark chapter 1 verse 16. As He walked by the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and Andrew, His brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow Me, and I will make you to become fishers of men." They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. And so the first thing that we see in this passage is the regular people that Jesus called. These were... Famous people to us. Peter, James, John, Andrew. Ah, we know them well. So many other things that happened that Mark doesn't put into his account. Account ministry has gone on, miracles have happened, but instead he goes directly from Jesus' baptism to his preaching of the gospel, and now he is calling his followers, his disciples. He introduces it so carefully for us, and yet so succinctly, Jesus was taking a walk by the Sea of Galilee. He encounters some brothers, Simon and Andrew by name. They were casting a net into the sea. And most of you, I'm sure, are familiar with that action, how it works. It is a circular net. They'll come in the radius of 5 feet, some of them 10 feet and even bigger. And uh, they will take them. It looks really simple until you try it. Uh, they, they take those things and they spin that thing out. And that, that thing just flows out. And the weights in settle down. Uh, they, they try to see a, a school of fish. And then they throw that down. They catch them. And then they pull that net back in. Uh, it hasn't changed much after all these centuries. That's exactly what Peter and Andrew were doing. They were cast netting. And uh, they were... Hopefully catching some fish. But Jesus called them. And the Bible says. And immediately they dropped their nets. And they followed Jesus. He went down a little bit further then. And there was James and John. The sons of Zebedee. Different kind of net fishermen. This was the kind of net out in the boat. That uh, we call a gill net today. And they would put that down in a likely place. And and, uh, they would let it soak. That's what the netters call it. And uh, the fish then would swim into it. And get trapped. They would pull the net in and pull the fish out of it. It wasn't uncommon for them to break strands of the net, uh, part of the twine. And, and so the Bible says that they were out there mending their nets. If it didn't mend it, uh, the whole school would find that one little spot. And get away. My dad and I uh, were out one day uh, catching brim. And I mean, we were catching them just one after another, after another, after another. We had one of those old wire metal baskets and dropped them down into that basket. It was Wednesday night. And daddy kept saying, it's time. We got to go, son. We got to go. Uh, let's catch one more. <laughs> oh, finally, he said, we've got to go. Grab that basket. I grabbed that basket. There wasn't a fish in it. Not one. There was a little hole in that thing, and every one of those fish had found it and swam out. You see, repairing your nets important business. That's what they were doing. They they had net holes in the net. It had to be done. But Jesus called them, and they left. They left their dad, Zebedee. They left their hired men uh, working. I'm sure some of them said, "Must be nice getting out all the work." You know, uh, hey, somebody always says that. I don't know that. That's not in the text. But uh, you know. You just, always, Somebody's always got something to say. But there they went, following Jesus. The thing for us to notice, these were hard-working, business, busy men that Jesus called so long ago. Peter, James, John, Andrew... I recently uh, was intrigued as I watched a a group of men who were gathering together uh, on a world scale. They had brought in some of the brightest, they said, people in all the world. And and my, all of their qualifications were put down. Ph.D. this, Ph.D. that. Somebody was a Rhodes Scholar. Someone graduated from MIT. Someone was a successful businessman. Multi-billionaire. They were going to bring in what they said was the greatest minds of all the world. And they had picked out carefully chosen all of these people for their education, for their expertise, and for their accomplishments. But I want to tell you something. Not one of them was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. Not one of them. They didn't call in those kinds of folks. But Jesus did. Jesus did. Many years later, Paul the Apostle would write to the church at Corinth and he say, you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise, not many noble were called. But God had chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise and other things, he said, because uh, the, by doing that, then the glory would go to God and not to people. I'm not sure what a group of the greatest minds in the whole world could come up with if we got them all together in one place. But I know what Jesus did. He came to save the world. These men were being called into vocational ministry, as we call it. And when Jesus called them and they left their nets, their lives as net fishermen ended on the spot. They would never be able to go back and resume this business again. Their life as net fishermen was over. Now the Lord's call to you this morning may not include a call into vocational full-time ministry, although it may. I have seen God call men after out of this church since I've been here who have surrendered to the ministry. Maybe God has called someone sitting out there this morning And if He has, then what you need to do is surrender to it. But God may not have that kind of calling in mind for you. He may not have the calling for you that would require you to leave your nets on the shore. And if that's the case, then you can be a servant of Jesus even as you make your living, as you run your business, as you live in your chosen place, wherever that is, and raise your family. But as you do those things, you operate under the specific instructions of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, where the Bible says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Listen, the call to follow Jesus comes to us all. The call comes to us all. The call to follow Jesus comes to us all. It may not require you to give up your vocation. You may not have to leave your nets on the shore, but you are still being called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means you are a follower of Jesus Christ who teaches young people and maybe even a little bit older people. You are a follower of Jesus Christ who is an architect. You are a Follower of Jesus Christ maybe who's a plumber. You're a follower of Jesus Christ who's an engineer or a nurse. You're a follower of Jesus Christ who is a baker or candlestick maker. Listen, no matter what you are, if God has not called you to lay it down like He did these men, doesn't mean He uncalled you. It means He has called you to be a follower of Jesus Christ as you do these other things whatever they are. Your responsibility to do it for the glory of God is overreaching all of these other objectives. Jesus would use these men to change the world. The regular people He chose. Then I want you to see this morning the response that they made they immediately left their nets and followed him. When Jesus called them, they responded. Simon and Andrew cast in their net, but Jesus said, hey, come follow me. And the Bible says they left their nets where they were laying and walked away. James and John left their dad and their employees in the ship where they were working. There was no discussion among them that Mark records. No appeal to pray about it. They didn't talk about how busy they were. Or all the things they had to do. They just responded to the call of the master who said, follow me. And they stopped what they were doing. And followed Jesus. It's a great time for us all to consider this morning. How many times when the Lord calls and we hit the hold button. We think of all sorts of things that we need to do or want to do, all the things we have going on. And the question we all need to face squarely this morning is, could we or would we drop our nets to follow Jesus? For these men, you see, it was a permanent calling. They'd never go back. But for us, it may be nothing more than a temporary interruptions. Are our lives so regimented and so full of obligations and responsibilities and choices that we couldn't make an immediate move if our life depended on it or even if someone else's life depended on it? Even if it was for just an hour or two? Can we or would we drop what we're doing for a time to follow Jesus or help someone else follow Jesus? And I want to address our young people this morning. If Jesus calls you, will you even hear? I guarantee you, I've talked to a lot of kids that, huh? Let me ask you. Can you put that thing down long enough to hear from Jesus? Could you put that game you're playing down? Can we get away from that social media just for a moment? Can we put it down? Could we tell our friends, I don't have time for you right now. Can we skip that practice? Could we turn away from some obligation in order... To answer the call of Jesus Christ. Just because you're young doesn't mean God won't call you. I was 14 years old when He called me. And you know who I talked to about it? God. I didn't talk to my friends. I didn't talk to my mama. I didn't talk to my dad. I knew God was calling me to be a preacher. And I answered that call. I'm not bragging to you today. I'm just telling you, young people, just because you're a teenager doesn't mean God won't call you. (laughs) He can. He does. And when God calls, the appropriate response is put before us in our text. We need to stop what we're doing. We don't want to say, I I want to spend some time. i got to think this over. Mm -mm. I want you to use your imagination for a moment. What would have happened if these men would have said no? Others did. We know that. Others, Jesus said, come and follow me. And they said, I, I'm busy. I've got to go bury my dad. i got this. i got that. Others did These didn't. Can we imagine them in this environment saying, no. No, we can't. One of the great tragedies of our day, and I don't know what else to call it but a tragedy. Listen to me today. One of the great tragedies of our day is to see and watch play out in our world the unshakable devotion that people have for saving the earth when the earth can't be saved. but the unshakable devotion that people have. I mean, they're giving everything and up everything, willing to do anything to save the earth. And we see that then being set against God's people, and I don't know what else to call it, except the apathy that God's people have to the very real opportunity Jesus gives us to join Him in His work to save the world. The earth can't be saved, but the world can. Because you see, the world is people. And look at what Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. We notice that word might. Because obviously, the whole world is not going to be saved. Many, many people have rejected Christ. Many people will live and die without rejecting Christ. And yet, Jesus very clearly identifies that my mission is to save the world. And guess what? He's invited us to join Him in it. Follow me. Follow me. Folks, this isn't just about trying to lead people to Christ so that they're saved, although that certainly is the first step and a glorious step that must be taken. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Savior today, I implore you, I beg you to consider the truth of the gospel because while all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the good news is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. (laughs) Yes, God has promised His judgment upon sin, but guess what? Jesus took all of the judgment of God upon Himself. He drank to the dregs the cup of God's judgment and wrath against sin. He took it all so that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you received the Gospel? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ so that you might be saved? If you haven't, oh, that's what you need to do. That's where it starts. Now, Jesus didn't call us just to be believers. He called us to be followers. See, we get the chance to tell people how they can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, but then we get to show them, teach them what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ believers didn't change the world christ followers christ followers of what changes the world i mean think about it peter james john andrew the others that would later join them think about them think about what they did and how they changed the world by becoming followers of jesus christ the regular people then that he called And the response that they made, immediately, they left their net. Oh yeah, they were busy. They had a lot going on. I look forward to the day, I told the first service this, I look forward to the day when COVID is going to be a distant memory. It'll be as far distant to us as all those days we spent going uphill to school both ways. I mean, it's going to be something we kind of think about it, but it's out of our picture. But we're not there yet. We're still trying to dig our way out of it. And I know as we begin to uh, uh, conduct our ministry and build our ministry and put things back together in church, I know we're already seeing it. Uh, Something has happened, and I'll tell you what happened. All that time that we spent where we weren't able to have services at all, the time when we spent was just maybe one service on Sunday morning, one service on Sunday night. I'll tell you what you did. You looked around, and all of a sudden you had this time. Where did all this time come from? I'll tell you where it came from. That's the time you used to spend working and serving in church. You know what you did? You found something else to do. Because we don't like just sitting around twiddling our thumb. We found something else to do. And now that we're looking at getting back and and getting all these things back, we find ourselves, man, I I don't have time. I'm I'm too busy. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I don't know what to tell you today other than to remind you, aren't you glad? When Jesus called these guys, that they dropped their nets, they dropped their nets and followed Jesus. The regular people he called, the response they made. Oh, this is a good part. It's all good. <laughs> Are y'all still with me today? Can you nod your head a little bit? Or okay, I hadn't been preaching that long the reality than they experienced. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Over the years, so much emphasis, I think, has been placed on the fishers of men part and not to say that it's not important because it is. But maybe we haven't considered as we should have that I will make you become part of Jesus' statement to these brothers and what it meant in their context and therefore what it means to us in our context today. You see, they were enjoying an encounter with their maker, their creator. And he promises that if you follow me, he says, I will make you. I will make you become something different than what you were. I will, or what you are, I will make you to become something different than you would have ever been On your own. But in order to get what Jesus had to offer, they had to turn loose of what they had. They couldn't have both. And for them, of course, uh, those nets laying on the shore had to do with their vocational calling. But thank God they took the offer. But what about us? If Jesus isn't calling me into the ministry, if Jesus isn't calling me to quit my job or leave my business or or give up my my life the way it is in order to enter full-time ministry, if He's not calling me to lay it all down, then how does this apply to me? Folks, the biggest thing that we drop out of our hands when we decide to follow Jesus is self-determination. Self-determination. That is, we give up the right to decide what we will be because we become a follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to use your imagination again for a moment. Remember, I ask you to imagine, try to imagine uh, Peter, James, and John and Andrew if they'd said no to Jesus. That's hard to do. Imagine with me Simon Peter then without Jesus. Well, the first thing is, of course, it'd just be Simon. <laughs> Peter was the one, that uh, was the name Jesus gave him. It'd, it'd just be Simon. Uh, he would spend his life throwing a net into the sea and pulling it out. He'd make a few trips to Jerusalem a year because he had to. It was about a 70-mile trip. Uh, he would make that trip. He would live and die right there on the Sea of Galilee, catching fish and never go very far about it. You're still having trouble with that picture? I am too. How about John? Imagine John without Jesus. Imagine James without Jesus. Imagine Andrew without Jesus. You know, we, we can't because when they followed Jesus, Jesus made them into something different than they would have ever been on their own. They would have never seen the things that they saw unless they followed Jesus. They would have never gone to the places where they went unless they followed Jesus. They would have never done the things that they did if they hadn't have followed Jesus they would have never experienced what they experienced if they hadn't have followed Jesus I mean what would you give in exchange for the right to be out there on the boat when Jesus was walking on the waves they'd have never seen that what about when Lazarus came hopping out of the tomb bound hand and foot what a trip they'd have never seen it They'd have been up there casting a net. No wonder Sumner Wimp used to say the supreme tragedy of life is not what we suffer, it's what we miss. It's what we miss. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you to become something entirely different than what you've been. Oh, you say, I've messed up. Man, you just don't know. I'm I'm too old. I'm too messed up. I'm too deep in over my head. I I can't get, I I couldn't quit. I've been abused. I've been bullied. My life is ruined. I've made bad choices. Uh, I want to read a passage to you this morning. It's not unfamiliar to us. It may be new, though, to somebody here. It's in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 18. When God told Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. I want you to go to the potter's house, Jeremiah, and I'm going to speak to you there. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So, he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Remember, God said, You go down to the potter's house and I'll speak to you. There, sure enough, here he is. The word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord. As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. O house of Israel. It is not a small thing or a light thing when the maker of heaven and earth Says, if you'll follow me, I'll make you something different than you've ever been before. Something different than you would have ever been on your own. Because when the maker of heaven and earth tells us that, he has the power (laughs) to make it happen. Follow me and I will make you to become. There is an epidemic of people in America today who want desperately to be something different than what they are. And they are doing everything they can to try to make themselves something different. Even to the point of changing their identity. Some even to the point of trying to change their gender, although... Technically, that can't be done. The DNA never changes. But it is a product of people who are desperately unhappy with themselves. They're not, they're not comfortable inside their own skin. They don't, they're, not, they're not happy with who they are or what they are. And they set out to change themselves and It doesn't work, and they're finding themselves even more and more messed up, even more and more miserable. So, I'm going to tell you this morning we can give ourselves a new look. We can. We can change our appearance. We can make ourselves look different on the outside. You can give yourself a new location. You can move to another place. My preference would be the beach. You can move to another place. But you know what? You can change your appearance, but you're still the same person on the inside. You can change your location, but you take the same person down there. You can go on vacation, same person you take down there. You can give yourself a new livelihood to go with your new look and your new location so that you've got a new job. You can give yourself a new lifestyle. Pick one. I tell you, when it comes to lifestyle changes, gosh, lifestyle choices. You can change your look. You can change your location. You can change your livelihood. You can change your lifestyle. But only the Lord Jesus Christ can change your life. And He will... If you follow Him. He said it. I will make you to become. I'll make you to become something different than you have ever been. If you stay where you are, then all you'll ever have is what you are. But if you'll follow me, if you follow me, then I will make you to become something different. Well, you say, I got saved, Pastor, and I'm still miserable, and I'm still messed up. You know why that is? Simple answer. Look in your hands. They're still full of nets. The Old Testament prophet told us, and he was speaking to God's people when he said it, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone aside to our own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We go astray when we go our own way. And a lot of times, people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they think about their salvation and say, well, that's it. You know, I've got that taken care of. I'm going to heaven when I die. And you think that's all it is. There's more to it. Jesus called us to be followers. He did not send us out in the Great Commission and say, go into all the world and make believers. He said, go into all the world and make followers, disciples. That's what He's called us to be. Followers of Jesus. And that is as consuming for us as it was for the first century apostles. It may not require you, it may, it may not require you to give up your job or your home or your livelihood or your living. It may not, like it did then. You may not have to leave your nets laying on the shore. But Jesus called you to follow Him just the same. And if we make that our life objective, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, He gives us an answer, a response, a promise. I will make you to become fishers of men. It's an amazing thing about being a fisherman is that uh, not only would God be working in the hearts of the fishermen. But God would be working in the hearts of the fish. <laughs> if you come back tonight and you're going to see a passage. A glorious passage when Jesus said to people. I'm sending you out to gather harvest that you didn't plan or work for. What, what a great plan. You'll see it. God has been working. When Simon Peter had toiled all night, he told him what? Cast your net on the other side. There was a fish. Folk, you have no idea, just like I have no idea, who Jesus is working on in your circle of influence. At your place of business, in your classroom, teachers, your fellow students, students, People who work in your hall or on your floor. Nurses. You say, I'm retired. The people who live in your neighborhood. Your grandkids. You have no idea who God is working on or how. And how He's going to use you. (laughs) But we do have this promise. You follow me. And I will make you to become... Fishers of men. Let's stand together, please.